Well, we are starting a new series called Closer, and uh, I'll just tell you real quick, since this isn't going to go out on the internet or anything, um, when I first got the graphic for Closer, the person had put a box, it was really cool and hip, um, and uh, it was a box right here, and so when I read it, it just said lose, <laughs> right? Because I just read the box instead of closer. But uh, the only reason I bring that up is because my example this week on social media for kicking off this new series is about losing 10 pounds or losing 20 pounds. Or you kind of know how it goes. You, you, maybe especially during a time like this where you might be quarantined or you might be at home or you might be socially distancing or whatever. And uh, you see someone, maybe you haven't seen them in two, three months, and they've lost, they've lost weight. And so what do you, what do you normally say? You say, uh, hey, have, have you lost weight? I mean, now you have to be careful the way you say it. But you, you acknowledge that they've worked pretty hard. And so what's the next question you ask? How, how did you do it? And they'll say something that's just one sentence, super, just off the top of their head. I, I cut out carbs. And that sounds great. And just spoiler alert, if you want to lose 10 pounds, it, it is just diet and exercise. <laughs> that, that's it, okay? So whatever they choose to do, it will be one of the two or both, but that's how you lose weight. So uh, they'll say, I cut out carbs, in which case I'm thinking to myself, hey, how did you lose weight? Oh, I stopped enjoying meals is essentially what the person is saying. You cut out carbs in my life, you might as well, that's it, it's over, I don't know. I mean, the thing I've been most scared about with COVID is losing taste. That's how sad I am. Oh, I don't mind the respiratory issues or, you know, any of that kind of stuff. I just need to be able to taste my food. Of course, I'm kidding. I know it's serious. I get all that. But you ask them, how did you lose that weight? And to us, you and I, we think in terms of, hey, a person weighed X. Now they're 10 or 20 pounds lighter. And to us, it just happened. But that's not how anything happens in life. And it's not how our walk with Jesus is supposed to happen. And what I wanted to do in this particular series was tee us up for 2022 to begin to look at small decisions as big ones, especially as we're getting closer to moving towards Jesus one step at a time. And what I'm going to show you this morning, hopefully as we do an intro to the series, is how two people really just got to their wits end and decided to get closer to Jesus and the huge impact it had. Now, I realize in uh, our audience, both here and online, I know most of the people, um, I know that all of us are in these different areas of our journey with Jesus. Some of us are all in. I mean, it's like we, we get the whole Jesus thing we accept the Bible as, as the word of God. We're running our lives towards this. And then there are others who might just be coming to a situation of like, hey, maybe um, I need to start thinking about this God thing. Or um, I would like to know the Bible more. Well, one of the reasons why we have the app and have the Bible reading program in there is just for this particular reason. It's not to become Bible scholars, which I hope you all become. It's to get one step 
closer to Jesus. So right now in our Bible reading program, we're going through the book of Matthew, which is very accessible to anyone who's new to the Bible. And yet, in the book of Matthew, there are some really great truths, uh, starting with the Sermon on the Mount, which is in ch uh, chapter, starts in chapter 5, of just the upside-down way God looks at our culture, that God looks at our lives, juxtaposed to the kingdom of God. And so, uh, what I want to hopefully get across to you, let's, we'll go back to the weight loss idea, is that people don't lose 10 pounds. They don't lose 20 pounds. They lose an ounce. And they do that 160 times. That's 10 pounds if my math... It's a lot of little things, okay? No, it's 160 ounces. Every time they open the fridge, every time they decide, I'm not going to supersize it. Anytime they're, you're making these micro, little tiny decisions, they add up and add up and add up. And especially... In the kingdom of God, which one of its tenets is that if you're faithful in just a little bit, you'll be faithful in much. And that's what we'll be talking about over the next few weeks. We'll be talking about our prayer life, how we're in the word, how we view uh, people who are other than us, and how Jesus uh, would handle all that. So uh, we are... Oh, one of the things I did this morning, which is different than I normally do, normally there's a section of scripture. We go through that very slowly. We kind of understand the heart of God, hopefully, and how it applies to our life. In this particular case, this particular story is in three gospels, Matthew, Mark, and Luke. I don't know why John didn't do it. Maybe he just, but he didn't have time or whatever, but John, for some reason, didn't put the story in. So what I did was I took all three of them and I made another gospel of me, okay, which is all three of those gospels. It doesn't change the word of God at all. It just takes all these different facts, which I think are all very important, and it puts it into one story. So what I did was I put the three sections of scripture up there and they'll stay there the whole time so that you can go on your own, read those sections of scripture and create your own kind of mental image of what was going on. So I, I didn't change any words, okay? I just put them together. Okay, here we go. Heretic Pastor John. Luke, so it's Luke 8, 40 through 8, Matthew 9, 18 through 22, and Mark 5, 22 through 36. Most of what I'm reading will be out of the book of Mark. He has the longest dialogue. I just added some Matthew and Luke in there as seasonings. Okay, so here's what's going on. Jesus, he's, he had just preached the Sermon on the Mount, and people looked at him and went, What? Like, they couldn't believe he was saying some of the things he was saying. He was taking um, the religious culture of the day and going, yeah, 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 that's good, that's good. But let me tell you something different. So he'll say things like this. He'll say, um, uh, hey, you've heard it said, do not murder, which he's, that's frowned upon still, just so we're clear. You've heard it said, do not murder. I say, don't even call someone a fool, Twitter. Okay, don't, don't, even, don't even call, don't even say, I, I hate that person. You don't even do that. It'll say, don't, uh, you've heard it said, don't have an affair, don't commit adultery. But what I say is, don't even look upon a woman as an object. It's not, it's not, 
it's not the kingdom way. And so people were taken aback going, wow, this is amazing. And then he goes walking along and he sees a tax collector, Matthew, who uh, we say wrote the book of Matthew and uh, said, hey, follow me. And this is really important as we talk about the, the idea that the series is called Closer. Our only job in, with Jesus is to follow. He does, it, and to become like him, just like any other rabbi, you would look at, you would ask yourself the question, bam, in this marriage, I don't know if I should stay in this marriage. What would my rabbi have me do? What would Jesus have me do? And our job as Christians, which just means little Christ, is to become more and more like him. So he's talking about this, and you got to get this scene. Matthew, he tells Matthew, follow me. They go to Matthew's house, so there's tax collectors, which uh, was terrible in that day. It was traitors, basically, if you were an Israelite. Uh, sinners, which is basically Living Spring. And uh, crowds of people uh, all around, everyone trying to see this new rock star, this new rabbi, Jesus. And it came at an incredible risk. Because if you followed Jesus, you were kind of on the outskirts of what uh, the power structure was at the time. So here we are. While he was saying this, and basically he was answering the question, why do uh, John the Baptist's disciples fast, but your disciples, Jesus, don't fast? And he's like, we don't fast when I'm around. There'll come a day when I'm not around, we'll fast, but right now we won't. While he was saying this, a man named Jairus, a synagogue leader, to you and I, we might not think anything of that, but this is a person in power. This is a person in authority. It's a person who has a lot to risk. Because the Pharisees at this point are directly opposed to Jesus. This would be, nice catch, this would be like um, if you're in a political party and you uh, are, are going through your thing and all of a sudden you see something from another party and you tweet, hey, that's really cool. <laughs> Imagine what would happen in your circle of influence, in your power structure, if you went towards the other and said, that's a really great idea. This is what Jairus has come to say. I can't use my power anymore because the need I have extends beyond my position. So what he does is incredibly humbling. He came and fell at Jesus' feet. This rabbi, this, this synagogue leader, he was supposed to set everything up for the synagogue when they would come and make sure it's all the way it's supposed to be. The readings were going to be the right way. The candles were in the right place. It started on time. All these different things. And he falls at Jesus' feet in an act of humility. Pleading with him to come to his house because his only daughter, a girl of about 12, was dying. Now, Anytime the Bible slows down or adds some facts or things, it's, it's our job as the reader to try to understand the context in, in which this is, this is actually happening. And in this particular context, at this particular time, being 12 years old means you are just on the verge of becoming a woman. 
I won't go into the physiology of it all, but this was a big deal. This was, she, if, 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 if we were talking in, in human terms, in American terms and everything, we'd say she has her whole, what, life ahead of her. This is, she, she has the potential to fulfill in their culture everything that you need to have to be a woman in that culture. You get married, have children, kind of run the household, those things in that culture, if you hear what I'm saying. And so, so this is it. And it's their only daughter. So as they dream, as Jairus and his wife are dreaming about their family, it includes this daughter going through the natural progression of what they would see as very important. She's 12 years old. You say, John, why'd you underline 12? Well, we're going to see that in just a little bit. She's dying. And just like our culture, you can imagine someone at that age having difficulty. Uh, we would all feel the same way. Man, when it's someone young, it just really adds to the weight of what's going on. So he pleads with him earnestly. He says, please come and put your hands on her so that she will be healed and live. So, so this guy, this guy goes amongst his peers, okay, kneels down on the ground. He's got his robe, he's got everything. He kneels down on the ground, he goes to Jesus and he pleads with him. He basically goes into an enemy camp but because of what he's struggling with, what he's going through is so vital to him, so important to him, he wants to get just a little bit closer to Jesus. And what I want to explain to you this morning, and that we're going to see in not only this example, but the next example, this was a series of steps. This was him waking up maybe a couple days before and saying to his wife, baby, I think I might go to Jesus. And the wife thinks to herself, maybe. Ooh, you know, your boss, Malachi, <laughs> he just did that whole thing about Jesus. He just posted that whole long rant about Jesus and how heretical he is and all those things. And he decides, no, you know what? I'm going to go. He then tells his circle of influence, I'm thinking about going to see Jesus. Jesus. We don't even know anything about him. He comes from Nazareth, right? What good could come from Nazareth? What, is this? what are his teachings? What is this? And so he had to make this little decision. One morning, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to invest a little bit more in this. And then he has to take the trip to where Jesus is, find out where he is. There wasn't, Jesus didn't post anything on social media, you know, check in at Matthew's house. He didn't have any of that. It was word of mouth. So this guy comes to Jesus, comes to the area where he knows Jesus is, finds out, and they say, here's what they say. Oh yeah, he's at Matthew's house. The tax collector? I gotta go to the tax collector's house? Yeah, you do. Another step closer to Jesus. He could have turned around at any time, gone back to what was normal. But that importance of his daughter was just weighing too much. And so he, he takes another step. Then he's at Matthew's house and it's packed. It is packed with people. And he could have easily said, ah, this is too hard. This is too much. I tried. 
I tried. I tried to get there, but I couldn't, I couldn't see him. And, and he decides to take one step closer to push people around. Now, the cool thing about Jairus is that he's got his, probably, his synagogue stuff on. They know who he is. So they're like, oh, man, you want to get to Jesus? And they're probably parting some type of way for him. But he's got to do that walk of going, I'm about ready to kneel before another rabbi and say, can you do what my system can't do? So Jesus went with him. Oh, man. Uh, You know what the other thing I'm hoping about out of this series? You end, we're going to end in six weeks, you end really digging Jesus. (laughs) He's amazing. He's amazing. Son of God. So, Jesus went with him. Now, listen to this. This comes from Luke, by the way. As Jesus was on his way, the crowds almost crushed him. So there is this just throng of people around Jesus, pushing against him, trying to get... Trying to get his attention. We see later that two blind men are going, hey, Jesus, would you heal us? I mean, you can just imagine the chaos. And then you got sinners, Pharisees, disciples of John, disciples of Jesus, the common person all around, all in the same thing, all surrounding Jesus. They almost crushed him. And then in this scene, what breaks through is this. And a woman was there. This woman would have no value to society. Male-dominated patriarchy. Men ruled everything. Men said everything. Men taught everything. Women were there to serve men. In this culture, they were property that you could buy and sell and divorce and not divorce. And they just had very little value, except (laughs) for the fact that That's not the kingdom of God. And so even the writer, in this case, uh, Mark um, and Matthew, uh, realized that to this this reader that would have read this about uh, 2,000 years ago would have gone so. But in the kingdom of God, it's different. She was there. Who? Okay, now it gets worse. She'd been subject to bleeding for 12 years. When Jairus's Little daughter was born, her ailment started. So what was for Jairus the potential ending to what had her whole life ahead of her to this woman 12 years ago began a life of difficulty and what this culture would have said was uncleanliness. She was not allowed to be there. She just wanted to get close to Jesus because she was at the end of everything she had. Her systems failed her. Her gods had failed her. Her people had failed her. She'd been subject to bleeding for 12 years. She had suffered a great deal under the care of many doctors. This doesn't mean they didn't try. It doesn't mean the doctors Uh, It was a scam. I'll I'll give you an example. So for in our context, my family context, having a son that uh, has seizures or had seizures uh, for as long as he did, eight years, um, coming out of nowhere, every time we'd go to the doctor, 
I would say we suffered a great deal under the care of those doctors. Not because they didn't try, but because it didn't work. And so each time you go to the doctor, and maybe you've experienced this with a pain or back pain or anything you've gone through, it's the hope that then disappoints because it doesn't work. And you go to each doctor and each specialist, and each time, did you try this medication? No, we've never had this medication. Oh, well, he happens to be allergic to that and might stop breathing. Oh, okay, well, let's not do that, okay? And then we'll go to the next one and then try these two medications. And then it's, it's we start becoming pharmacists ourselves and going, okay, look, They're just guessing. So we're going to do 50 more milligrams of this and 75 more milligrams of that. And we're cutting up pills and doing our own thing to try and figure out what can stop the seizures. It's exhausting. And you suffer greatly under under that because each time there's hope. Now, praise God, uh, he had his brain surgery and... We've only had a few seizures after that, very, very small <laughs> compared to what we've experienced. And we're happy for that. But for 12 years, not only was this woman going through what she was going through, but she was an outcast. And had spent all she had. And yet, instead of getting better, she grew worse. There are two people right now in this narrative. One has power, one does not. One can walk through a group of people and actually get to Jesus' feet and kneel down and have something to say to Jesus. One has access, complete access to him, although it comes at great cost of his humility, of his pride, of his ego. Another has no value. Worse than that, they're unclean and have no value. Her job was to stay away, and if she was by anybody, she was supposed to say, hey, I'm unclean. Two people. One Jesus. And his response to them is the same. I don't care about your power. I don't care about your lack of power. Follow me. It's at my feet that you'll find healing. And here's what happens. Now, and again, if you're reading this story for the first time, and many of you know this story, I'm sure, but if you were reading it for the first time, you'd be like, what happened to Jairus' daughter? Like, she's dying. Like, what, what is this woman? She's not supposed to be there. Why is she allowed there? It goes on. When she heard about Jesus, and this might be where you are right now, thinking, my systems are failing me. My circles of influence are failing me. All these establishments are failing me. But I hear about Jesus. She came behind him from the crowd, okay? And she touched his cloak. Most scholars believe it was just the tassels. The rabbis would have these robes and they would wear these tassels. It was, it's a Deuteronomy thing. I don't know why. But, uh, and she, it was, that most scholars believe that's the part of the garment she touches. The end 
of the end of the end of his garment. She's got to get down low. She's got to fight just one inch closer. One inch closer. She had every opportunity to go, the crowd's too big. If they find out I'm unclean, I'm in big trouble. And can you imagine what she must have been thinking in being, remember, he was almost crushed by the crowds. These, it is packed. And she sneaks through somehow. <laughs> Does twist her, but I don't know what it is. And touches his garment. Just that much closer, she touches it. Because she thought, if I just touch his clothes, I'll be healed. If I can just get one bit closer to Jesus. Now for her, it works. Immediately, her bleeding stopped, and she felt in her body that she was freed, what? From her suffering as an outcast. That Jesus brings wholeness, restoration, completeness. One of the things we say at Living Spring is, uh, a part of our mission statement is to reach our, uh, our surrounding community with the love of the Father, to restore lives to healthy relationship in the Son, and to respond to a move of the Spirit. This is the restoration process of why we bring G people to Jesus for the salvation of their souls and for completeness. And so she was freed from her suffering. This is so cool. At once... I don't know how this went down because I can't, I, I don't understand. But at once Jesus realized that power had gone out from him. So I don't know how he does this. I don't know if there's like a gauge or I don't know. But he knew somehow he's walking along that power went from him. This is really cool. And asked, who touched my clothes? Which you can imagine the response we're going to see from the disciples is the response you would have. Uh, I don't know, Jesus. Everybody? I mean, like everybody's there cr crushing him, right? They say, you see the people crowding against you? His disciples answered. And yet you can ask, who touched me? First of all, don't ever question Jesus. Jesus said, someone touched me. I know that power has gone out from me. In which case, if I were a disciple, I'd just be like, all good. Okay, fine. That's good. You're good. Like the power went out from you? That's odd, but okay. I believe you. Jesus kept looking around to see who'd done it. Now, I don't know. The theology of omniscience, you know, God knows everything and Jesus was God. And as far as like how it all worked, like Jesus as fully man and fully God, I have no idea. But it says here that he truly was looking around to see who'd done it. <laughs> then the woman, knowing what had happened to her, she felt full restoration. Listen, came and fell at his feet. She was the same place Jairus was, with different needs and a different place of position. I... I I just want to talk to the diverse group that we have here and online. However you come to Jesus, whether you're in a position of power, whether you're in a position of lowliness, whether you are 
part of a great group of support or you're alone. The posture is the same. We come on our knees. We come in a posture of humility. We come knowing that our systems will ultimately fail us. That our systems will ultimately not be able to sustain what we want. That Jesus, if we could just get a little bit closer, can bring healing and restoration. And here's what she does. He came and fell at his feet, trembling with fear, and told him the whole truth. In one translation, it says, told him her whole story. Now remember, Jesus is busy. Jesus is on his way to go to a synagogue official's house. This is a big deal for Jesus. This is a good part of his ministry. He's been, he's been essentially um, promoted by the, the powers that be. And yet he has time to listen to this woman who has no value and she was unclean and she shouldn't be there and she tells him the whole truth. For some of you, for some of us, our first step of getting closer to Jesus is to tell him the whole truth. You say, but John, doesn't he already know the whole truth? This wasn't for Jesus. This was for her. This was for her to say, listen, this has been my experience. This has been how I've been failed. This is, and Jesus says, well, well, here you can see what he says. He doesn't say, hey, you didn't, Deuteronomy clearly states you're not allowed to be here. And oh, by the way, I wrote the Old Testament for a purpose. He doesn't say that. He doesn't quote scripture at her. He doesn't do anything. He just says this, daughter. Your faith has healed you. Go in peace and be freed from your suffering. While Jesus was still speaking, some people came from the house of Jairus, the synagogue leader. Your daughter's dead, they said. Why bother the teacher anymore? There's no hope. Jesus says this. As the worship band returns. Overhearing what they said, Jesus told him, do not be afraid, just believe. Here's what I'm going to ask you to do uh, as we wrap up this morning. And as we go into this week and we think about listening to the Holy Spirit. If you're new to faith or new to the Bible or anything like that, listening to the Holy Spirit is just positioning ourselves in a posture of maybe we don't have it all figured out. And that maybe God, when he says, follow me through our, this walk with Jesus, has some things to say about where we need to get closer. And maybe it's just a little bit closer. Maybe it's not the big things that you're thinking of and like, oh my goodness, I've got to memorize the whole book of Philippians or else I'm not, I knew, I knew a guy who memorized this and did that. Jesus is just saying just a little bit closer. And so we're going to end with uh, one more song. And uh, what I'd like you to do is during this time and during the week, ask him, Lord, 
what would you have me risk to get one step closer? It might be for you something really big, like, like Jairus, where he's like, hey, uh, even though I'm on the other side, I, I've got to just humble myself. Maybe for you, you've been a follower of Jesus, but you've been like, like five blocks away, <laughs> not wanting him to catch you in the rearview mirror. Like, hey, what are you doing? Come here. I want to get, get closer. And maybe for you, it's like, you know what? I'm going to take some steps. We're going to go over a bunch of different steps you can take over the weeks. But before we do that, before I tell you even what they are, I'd ask that you go to your Heavenly Father and you say, Lord, in what area of my life, maybe it's an area I feel unworthy and I'm afraid to tell you the whole truth, even though you know. I just want to pretend I have it under control. I want to pretend that it's going to be okay, that I can work it out. If I just, if I just got that raise or that promotion, or if I just, if I just got married, Lord, I know I'd be a better person. <laughs> Don't do that, right? Maybe it's you're in a position of power. Maybe things are going great for you. Maybe during the last few years, you've, man, things are great. I don't have to, I can socially distance, which is like a dream. I could, I've, I've, my business has never done better. My job has never done better. And the Lord's saying, I need you to step away from those things for a little bit and come a little closer. You say, yeah, but that's going to mean that I have to be out in the open, walking through these people I don't like and people that I really like, and I don't want them to think that might be part of it. Where does Jesus want you to be one step closer to him. We'll talk about this over the next week. Let me pray for us. Lord God, I thank you that you're very clear about where you are. You're not hiding from us. You're not trying to help make us figure it all out on our own. You just say, come to me, all who are weary heavy laden you will find rest not just physical rest but rest for our souls Lord I pray for those who are listening to this message that they would find rest for their souls in your name amen if you want to go ahead and stand for the blessing in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. I pray you would go in his wisdom, in his joy, and in his peace. In Jesus' name, amen.